Hello, everybody, and welcome to the In Squash Podcast, episode 252. Today, I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and we have none other than Squash Mad's Robert Mitchell. RJ Mitchell joins me today. And if you haven't uh, heard of Robert uh, before his Squash Mad content, it's probably because uh, most of his writing was done in the UK. So the people based out of uh, Squashies based out of the UK would likely have heard of Robert. But uh, anyways, his uh, backstory is tremendous. And we get into that, which includes uh, obviously his squash background. He was a player and a journalist and uh, with respect to squash. Uh, we talk about how we got into journalism and then also his boxing journalism background which includes two amazing anecdotes uh, one of which uh, uh, was uh, him interviewing Lennox Lewis former heavyweight champion the second one an amazing story about him having interviewed Iron Mike Tyson so that must have been absolutely mind-blowing to to interview uh, Mike Tyson and he talks a bit about that before we get into the squash but uh, we did have a tremendous squash chat Uh, we looked at uh, the start of the 2023 season a bit of a recap for you there and then a very deep Mustafa Asal dive if you know uh, or if you follow Robert then you know he's written several pieces on Asal two recent interviews once one of which uh, I believe was released a week or so ago the second of which will be released soon he talks about those interviews and what uh, uh, his thoughts are on everything surrounding the Asal uh, situation you'll be uh, very interested to hear what he thinks on that we also talk about Gina Kennedy's successful return and his most recent uh, and also his most recent piece on Jancher Khan which includes a little bit about Asal as well Also, in terms of Gina's return, it's more about uh, the struggles she went through uh, in terms of her injury after uh, and her her illness after winning the Commonwealth Gold and how she's uh, come back and just recently won in Cleveland. So interesting stuff there as well. But before we go there, let's talk Open Squash, our great uh, sponsor. Open Squash's primary vision, of course, and we talk about this on every episode, and it holds true, is growing the game. And they've brought on board board several like-minded PSA pros, like former world number one and about to return to the tour in London, Ali Farag, Victor Quinn, who's coming on the podcast in a few days, and recent winner in Cleveland on the ladies tour, Gina Kennedy. They all are part of the Open Squash team. The New York-based nonprofit is dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone. If you're living in the New York City area, check out their membership plans on the website. And these include discounted memberships and they're income-based and family-based. So take a look at the membership plans that they have available. You might find something that will be applicable to you. And also anyone in and around New York City interested in looking at their membership plans and you'd like to check out the pre-sale plans for their Pearl Street and Brooklyn centers, check out the details on their website opensquash.org and now what I want you to check out is this episode with RJ Mitchell you are not going to be disappointed episode 252 hi how are you yes hey, I'm living the dream <laughs> the dream that's good that's good um, yeah we can just get right into this uh, Robert first of all uh, very happy to have you on the podcast uh, I've been following uh, and I think a lot of people have been really really uh, happy with uh, what we've been reading on the uh, squash mad uh, 
uh, over the last couple of uh, years, and uh, your contributions have been exceptional, uh, particularly uh, of late. There's been a lot of really good stuff on there. Uh, before we get into uh, some things, I mean, I'd like to, obviously, I'd like to talk about uh, uh, the the TOC and the, mo the more recent tournaments that have just uh, concluded, um, obviously, with Diego uh, Elias taking the last two events, and um, uh, to talk a little bit, uh, to speak to what you've been uh, writing about, obviously. But uh, before we get into that, um, can you just give uh, everybody a bit of your uh, your background? I mean, we all know you uh, you write for Squash Mad, uh, but where where does what's your squash story and uh, your squash uh, journalism? Uh, where does that all stem from? Well, I guess they're they're one and the same. Uh, the whole reason that I got into journalism uh, was squash. Uh, in 1998, I captained the west of Scotland county side at the British Inter Districts in uh, Shifnal in Shropshire. And uh, as anybody who plays squash will know, uh, minority sport, no coverage in the press. So uh, my team couldn't get any uh, sponsorship to cover our kit costs and uh, expenses uh, down to the journey down to England. So I decided that I would start writing my own squash pieces. Um, so I, I started with a, 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 a district paper in Glasgow, the Bears Denmark Guy Herald, then the Glaswegian, and then the Glasgow Evening Times. And uh, by the time we got ready to go, we had sponsors in place, and uh, we had tracksuits, tops, and uh, we, we had money for expenses to get us down and back, which was great. Um, and... Uh, I continued to write about squash. I was lucky in that the sports editor at the Glasgow Evening Times at, at, at that time um, was a squash fanatic himself. Um, the paper had, you know, sold a quarter of a million uh, daily, and uh, he created this uh, sports local section. And uh, you know, I started to interview uh, uh, the the biggest names domestically in Scotland. Uh, obviously, well, likes of Martin Heath. Um, some people know Peter O'Hara, Barry Sutherland, these guys. Peter O'Hara was in my West of Scotland team. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was great. And then when I got picked to pay, play for Scotland at the Home Internationals in Cardiff in 99, uh, I did the same thing again. And that then led me to what was probably my big break when uh, they asked me to take on uh, boxing, uh, the Boxing Writers Brief at the Glasgow Evening Times. Um, and uh, boxing was very much uh, one of the reasons why I played squash, uh, because I bled like a stuck pig. Um, and having been a cop for 15 years in Glasgow, that was a bit inconvenient as well. Um, so anyway, my, my big break would probably came when Mike Tyson came to Scotland to fight uh, Lou Savarese in Hamden, and oh. I managed to get a, a down-the-line exclusive with him and I asked the, the mind-numbingly dumb question, have you ever seen Braveheart? And uh, I'll never forget the answer, which is that he'd seen it a hundred times. Wallace was his great hero. He would die like Wallace betrayed, knifed in the back, left in the gutter. And uh, two days later, when he came up to Hamden uh, with his then coach, Tommy Brooks, who set the whole thing up, um, he, he autographed a copy of uh, my Evening Times uh, article with him in his Kilton Scotland top. Um, so, yeah, that led one, one thing to another. And I went on to have a, a journalism, a journalistic career with the uh, Evening Times Herald uh, and Scotsman in Scotland. And uh, after that, since branching out onto freelance uh, online outlets, I've written for the PSA, Paddle Paper, 
and squash mad. Uh, yeah, so that, that that's you, right? Bang up. That's the backstory. <laughs> there we go. That's amazing. Mike Tyson, eh? Oh, my, my God. That, that's got to be... I mean, having did, did you have a face, like a sit-down with him, or was it over the phone? Or? No, it was, it was on the phone, but I met him uh, two days later when he arrived in Glasgow. Um, I mean, I had... I had a brilliant day once upon a time when um, I was in my front room in Mogai and uh, I took part in a telephone conference uh, with Lennox Lewis from his uh, training base in the Pokenhorse Mountains, I think it, I think it oh, is. Wow. Um, and uh, because I was still a cop at the time and I was freelancing for the evening times, I couldn't write under my own name, RJ Mitchell. So I wrote under Bob James, which obviously Robert James, Bob James, yeah. And uh, that used to give me a grin every time I saw that byline. I loved it. And uh, yeah, and then I, at night I spoke to Tommy Brooks from uh, his home in, in Rhode Island and, and got a word with Tyson. And uh, uh, yeah, so that that these were fantastic times, uh, um, which you, you don't forget, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, with Tyson anyway, I mean, I'm a huge Tyson fan. Uh, I mean, just the, the stuff that you see uh, of him lately, and even when you look back at, at all the great interviews that he's had, he's highly articulate, very thoughtful. Uh, it's probably, you know, not a lot of people realize that, but he truly is. And he's a historian of the game. He's well-read. It's really uh, quite amazing to hear him speak. Uh, and also he's very self-deprecating in a lot of yeah, yeah. Well, you, 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 touch, you touch on that. Of course, when he was incarcerated, he read the complete works of Mao Zedong. Now, uh, never mind any other boxer, any other professional athlete, you know, who would do that? Well, he did. And and obviously through being his tutelage with Customato, um, you know, he was absorbed in the fight game. And I, I always feel that he never got the credit he was due because of, of what happened to him outside the ring. Um, to me, pre-incarceration, Tyson is pre-draft Ali's worst nightmare. I don't think Ali wins that. Ali had all kinds of problems with Joe Frazier and smoking Joe was a pedestrian version of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was throwing combinations at his peak that Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns would have been proud of. Mm. Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, he had that hand speed. His lateral movement was superb. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just don't think he ever got the credit that he was due uh, as as a, you know, a world champion and where he belongs in the pantheon of, of boxing greats. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. We could talk about this for hours, I, th I think, uh, Robert. But uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to uh, the great sport of squash. Um, now, just in terms of uh, how things have transpired since uh, the season, the second half got underway. Uh, we have uh, Diego Elias, who's really uh, taken the torch on the men's side, and uh, he's won the last two events. Uh, Mustafa Saul um, had a sort of a mysterious uh, departure from the TOC. Uh, so just in, in terms of that, and also on the women's side, again, musical chairs with the top three, uh, Norel Sherbini winning, and then uh, Gina Kennedy winning the last one, which is, was a, which is amazing to see her back playing uh, such good squash and also uh, actually beating out, beating uh, eventually injured Amanda Sobey in that event. But uh, great to see uh, things, uh, sort of the interesting uh, aspect of it that's coming right now. So uh, what, what's your take on, on how things have transpired so far? 
Well, let's start with the ladies uh, as a matter of common courtesy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think the, the the women's game has ever been in uh, as rude health as it is right now um, with the, the, the standard at the top of the women's game uh, is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, every time you watch uh, one of the finals or semi-finals or perhaps even quarter-finals, I'm thinking back to, I think it was, was at Hong Kong when Hanya beat Nur El Tayeb? Um, and then backed it up with a, a Gohar and El Sherbini. Uh, I mean, the standard's epic. The athleticism is unbelievable. The ferocity's there. And depending on who's supplying the head head, there's a nice bit of bitchiness involved as well. Mm. So th- throw that in and game on. I mean, who who's not into that? Who's not who's not wanting to watch that? I mean, give me that all day long. Um, you know, uh, and and then you add in the the backdrop of the musical chairs with the coaches, um, which is all very interesting. You know, you've uh, you've got Rod Martin there with with Goha. Um, I mean, I don't like to divulge stories, but um, uh, whoa, would it be about eighteen months ago? I, I did an interview with a very prominent coach. Um, of a, a top-rated lady and uh, received a message from her uh, castigating me for not actually asking her permission to speak with that Australian coach based in New York. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, you, you you just don't know what you... You know, you've got to dodge the bullets when you're a journalist and you're looking to, to talk to people. Um, but you know what? Squash is all about opinions. Any sport is about opinions, opinions on and off the court. Rivalries on the court, they're the key. Opinions off the court, and, and opinions off the court feed off what's going on on it. Um, so the, the ladies' game is absolutely fantastic. I, I was lucky enough to speak to one former uh, female world champion uh, who's a... Uh, Involved in coaching at the top end of the game uh, last week, and uh, you know she she couldn't remember you know that when when the standard had had been so high and the competitiveness and the big thing I guess the big thing is that um, who's going to bridge that gap to the top three musical chairs at the top three um, you can quite clearly say that on their day any one of Hanya Noor and Nuran can win. Um, Nuren number one because of her, her consistency, which has been absolutely fabulous. Fabulous. Clearly, she wasn't herself at TOC. Um, so, who's going to bridge that gap? You mentioned Amanda Sobe uh, on American soil. You know, she uh, she's certainly a threat. Um, perhaps Gina Kennedy, uh, if her health holds, that that's the the big question. Uh, you know, in terms of what she brings to the party regarding athleticism, hunger, determination, um, albeit I think there's probably areas of our game which uh, both Gina and our, our coach uh, Ben Ford would accept need to be improved, perhaps the front court. Um, yeah, she she is starting to look, and if she gets a good run at it, uh, like possi- possibly the, the one most likely uh, to bridge that gap, um, but it's still there. That gap's still there. And the, the the problem the other girls have got is the rivalry that the big three have within themselves is pushing them on mm. relentlessly because they each... Nurel Sherbini wants number one back. Make no mistake. Hanya Hamani's uh, career goal is to be world number one. And you, you will not meet a more driven, determined, competitive animal than Nurin Gohar. 
Um, so, you know, when you've got all that going on, it's a tough ask. But you know what? That That's what makes it great. And, and that's what makes it very entertaining. They're pushing the standards, pushing the envelope all the time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and then just in terms of, uh, you know, the, the one who's closest to that group of three there is probably uh, Nora Altaya. Uh, I mean, she she's one who could very easily beat any one of them on if they're a little bit off and she's having her best day. Uh, and she, you know, she, uh, I guess she was injured in the last event, but she's someone who uh, could potentially bridge the gap. But uh, that, that remains to be seen. Gina, definitely, I couldn't agree with you more there as well. She's, uh, if she can add, like you said, a bit of variety in the front court, she's got her athleticism. She's got the game that can, can trouble a lot of these guys, a lot of these girls, because she's going to get a lot of everything back. And she's gonna she's gonna play an up tempo style of play, so a little bit of added offense uh, or variety or deception. I think those things are what what she's missing to enable her to bridge that gap, like you said. Yeah. So um, just in terms of the men, uh, Robert, uh, on that side of things, um, obviously uh, Diego's got the uh, you know, <laughs> taken taken over a little bit. Uh, the last couple of events, and it's great to see because he's always, in my estimation, had that uh, the ability to do it. It's always sort of been mentally and physically. Uh, it's not the squash. Uh, just wondering yeah. how you see it. Yeah, well, I, I think the big question, Mark, with Diego has always been physicality, um, whether he's actually had enough in the bank, whether he's actually had the appetite to put the work in. Now, I say that based on conversations I've had with absolute top-level elite coaches, former world champions and legends. So I don't offer that as my opinion only. I offer that as evidence based on having spoken to the best. And they all say the same thing. Um, so that appears no longer to be the question. Uh, the question mark no longer there. Um, I mean, obviously, once you start winning these platinum platinum level titles, and he's now starting to show a bit of consistency in that regard, then your confidence takes a lift. You have the belief, you have the knowledge that your training, your dedication is paying off, and you know what is required to win these matches. And he's got all that now. So that makes him a a, diff, a different beast, a different animal. Uh, and, uh, you know, to quote uh, the immortal Thin Lizzy, he's live and dangerous. Um, so do I think he's the best player in the world right now? No, I don't. I think Mustafa Asal is the best player in the world right now. And, of course, there is a whole different dimension uh, to that when we talk about Mustafa, as uh, readers of Squash Mad will know, um, from... My recent interviews with Mustafa, uh, part two of which will be up later this week, um, and also views shared with other uh, of the top ten residents, uh, you know, Marwan El Shabagi and Victor Cruen, um, which obviously provide the other side of the coin. And he he's a polarizing character, um, but you know what? He's getting people talking about squash. You know, part of the reason we're having this conversation right now is because of Mustafa Asal and what he brings to the game. Now, people are uh, fickle. Um, there's an old saying, Scott's saying, there's none so queer as folk. And, and that is because people are never happy. You know, people would moan if 
squash, top level men's squash, we're talking about the men's game, was sanitised, where everything, you know, the, every interview you did was whitewashed, was was basically full of content where the, the interviewee um, was actually too scared to say anything for offending his fellow pros, for giving them motivation, you know, and, and therefore my job as a journalist, impossible to do. Um, so the one thing you have to say about Mustafa is he isn't scared to say it like he sees it. And, you know, neither to a certain extent are uh, the other guys that I've mentioned there, Marwan and Victor. And you know what? That all means we've got a lot to talk about. That all means, you know, every squash fan out there has got stuff that's going to engage them because they they want to know what's going on, you know. And um, I know from uh, what reaches us at Squash Mad in terms of the speculation that does the rounds, I mean, first of all, you know, we knew two weeks before it was made public that uh, Mustafa's dad was copping a ban. The speculation right now is that there's a two-month suspended ban hanging over Mustafa's head. That's unsubstantiated. Um, we've had no comment on that officially, um, but that's uh, that's still in the background. Um, and, and and obviously you have the extraordinary scenes at uh, Houston, um, you know, uh, when really uh, things, to coin a cliche, took off uh, big time. Um, yeah. off the court. So all of that is part of uh, Squash's rich tapestry. And uh, you know what? I prefer that than a whole lot of nothing. You know, I, I, to me, the worst thing that could happen for Squash is that, you know, we have A, B, C, 3-0 for the fourth time in a row. And thanks very much. You know, it was a competitive game. I want to thank his team. I want to thank him for the tough game he gave me, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm fast asleep already. You know, yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 there's nothing there for me to work off. And I wouldn't imagine there's much for a squash fan to feed off. So when we're getting this kind of stuff going on, this noise, you know, it's engaging. And, you know, and people can moan about it and say, this guy shouldn't be saying that and that guy shouldn't be saying that. But you know what? They are. And it's giving you something of interest. And it certainly you know, gives me something that has colour that's good to work with. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I'm in my mid-50s um, as a tennis fan. Uh, you know, I, I, my, my golden era was uh, Jimmy Connors, Borg and McEnroe, and I particularly was a Jimmy Connors fan. And, you know, anybody of my vintage will remember Jimbo wagging the finger in McEnroe's face, yeah. you know, um, and, and hanging over the net telling them it like it is. Well, we haven't quite got to that that in, in squash, and I'm, I'm not advocating we want to, but you know what? It's all colour. And, and for me, I remember all that, and that happened 40 years ago. You know? And why do you remember that? Because it engages you. And, you know, when when all this, when this dies down and there isn't a furore, there isn't uh, axes to be ground, then and it, it's just squash. Uh, will it be the same? Don't know. Yeah, I was I was just going to say yesterday. In fact, I posted a, something came up on my Facebook. It was a John McEnroe old footage of him in Wimbledon. Uh, you know, the chalk flew up. That 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 whole yeah. thing. You cannot be serious. Just, you can't be serious. And I, I just posted it, and I just said that. And and Jimmy Connors was part of that that generation of tennis. That that brought more people to watch tennis. I mean, McEnroe yeah. and Connors. It just it exploded. Tennis exploded, 
as a result of that dynamic. And I think yep. what we're seeing with us all right now, I had a young guy with a podcast on his Jackson uh, Bragman uh, a few weeks ago, and he's a young, he's only 18, but he was just telling me he, uh, the young, the, the younger generation, they like most of them anyways, love Mustafa Assault. Yep. I mean, it, it's, he's not establishment. Uh, he takes it, takes the approach that a lot of these younger kids do. He does these dances that, you know, I have no idea what, what he's doing, but they do. Yep. They know exactly what he's doing with these yep. dances. Yep. Um, he was telling me, you know, he did this in Houston. He did a dance of the, some sort of America, one of the American football teams. Right. Well, right. And not, you know, I wouldn't have known, but he knew. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it's this kind of stuff that goes over our heads. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's the younger generation that, that, it appeals to he's young. I mean, we yep. I think we miss that point a lot too. It's the fact you know, yeah. he's the young guy and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he's like you said, he's very talented. And another thing too, uh, just his, uh, his social media platform. I, I just saw yesterday he posted something up. It was a, with relation to the Al Ali club that he's part yeah, of. Yeah. 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 He had 25, 30,000 likes, which is, unheard of in squash like if, if it's if rock America, star it's rock star yeah. engagement yeah yeah i mean uh it's nothing like what we see in the nba or uh, uh premier league football with these guys they have millions of followers but i think he's got close to a million followers uh and he i mean he posts something like that he's going to get all these likes he, he's very very good for the game in that regard but then you have the i think some one of my one person i know who does not uh, he he's on the opposite side of the fence with us all. He just said he manipulates the numbers. That's how that's why he does it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I've I've heard that as well. But uh, you know, I think when he arrived back in Cairo as a uh, number one, and uh, he was mobbed at the airport. You know, there's not there wasn't much manipulation going on there. Um, no. You know, I mean, when it comes to Mustafa, I think you've got to qualify everything with the fact that he does polarise opinion. So as you've just said, you've got those for and those against, and it, and it's an extremist. Um, and and that's always that's always going to be the case for me as a journalist. Um, you know, I want to speak to Mustafa because he's the story. Um, but I also want to speak to the other guys because you know you want their opinion. And almost as important is that they have an opinion and that they share it. And that's why, for me as a journalist, I'm really grateful for Victor Cruen, you know, taking the time to provide a, an erudite, a thoughtful a piece with, with good quotes, you know, you know, calling out Mustafa in terms of what he perceives as the responsibilities that he should live up to as number one. Um, also for Marwan, you know, pretty much straight shooting um, in, in terms of, of that as well. I mean, that that's all good. That's all good. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of Mustafa, what I've found with him, and I've, I've interviewed him a few times now, is he's very open. He's very, very open in what he says. Once you engage him, you know, he, he is happy to to talk and uh, not, that, not that guarded, which from my point of view as a journalist is a good thing. Sometimes I think maybe, you know, just watch that um, and, and uh, you know, I, I maybe apply the brakes there. Um, but, uh, but yeah. That's what, but, but that's what you like anyways. I mean, that's what we like to hear. We like content. We like, uh, you know, candor. He provides that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he does. He does. And, uh, 
you know, you you would you would maybe you touched on the fact that he's he's young. I think what twenty one. So that, you know, you look, you look at that top ten there, and you look at the other guys. Well, you know, Ali Farag. Uh, we, we don't know what's happened with him with his with his knee issues. Uh, uh, you know, as Jonah Barrington calls him every time I speak to Jonah, uh, nature's gentleman, Ali, and uh, you know, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's it's a crying shame at the top of his game uh, what what's happened to him with the injury, and I can only wish him a, a very very speedy recovery. But Ali's thirty, and and he's now got an injury issue. Mohammed's fought really hard to come thundering back. Paul Cole's 30 um, since he won that British Open in such uh, emphatic style when he, he didn't drop a game and it looked like we were entering the age of call. He hasn't won anything since then. I don't know if that maybe was down to an interview that he, his coach might have done um, uh, in the background there. I don't know. Who knows? Um, uh, little things in athletes' heads can change the balance. Um, but again, you know, Guys at 30 and Tarek Moman, mid-30s now, you know, yeah. um, the softest hands in squash. Um, but you know what? Even even a man of his amazing dexterity can't hold the sands of time back. Um, so, And then you've got Diego. So you, looking yeah. forward, you would have to say that the chances are that the Diego-Mustafa um, rivalry is the next rivalry of our squash age. Um, I'll, I'll also be interested to see if Victor Cruen can push on uh, Ali France. Um, that will be interesting. Uh, and then out, out with these guys. Hmm. I know that Marwan is very, very hungry to win that elusive major title. And uh, and obviously the fact that he's working with Rodney Martin um, and the improvements that he's made are making him very dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, um, there we have it. Yeah, just in terms of the, what, what you were saying as well about Diego and uh, and Asal, um, I mean, they've already laid the groundwork for for a bit of a, the rivalry has more or less uh, started. I mean, with, with the last time that they played, uh, it was quite a, quite a dramatic uh, uh, finish for us all. Match ball down, putting it in the uh, backhand uh, volley nick, and then the, the theatrics where uh, Diego came off the court, rightfully so, but you know the, the officials certainly got the call wrong, but you have to move on. Uh, you can't you know let that affect you. He did. Hopefully, I think he probably, it seems like as though he he learned from that over the last couple of tournaments. He seems a bit more patient, a bit more mature when it comes to dealing with, with officials. He, he's almost taken a sort of a Jonathan power approach, uh, you know, get angry, but then move on. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I guess with Jonathan power and he's, he's a corner and um, you know, that, that's not a surprise. Um, I, I just think that uh, as, as I touched on earlier, I think the big difference now for, for Diego is, that he's pretty much beaten everybody, and he, mm. he's got he's got some big titles in the bag. Obviously, uh, TOC, and that is you know it's belief, it's knowledge, it's certainty. He knows when the chips are down, he can get through it. He can turn it. He's got the game, uh, and he now I think believes in his physicality, and now he's he's also got the mentality. He's mm. got the winner's mentality because he's winning. You know, yeah. he's, he's winning the big games. And so, then, then the difficult um, part is the easy part for him. It's the squash. He he yeah. he's by. Oh my God, he's a guy that you always want. Like if, if I want to, if I have a league match tonight, 
There, there are a few guys that I'll watch. Uh, I'll watch Shabana. Uh, I'll watch, uh, and, and I think uh, Diego's right there. Just the way he moves the ball around, the way he moves around the court, his shot selection, it's 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 beautiful to watch. Yeah, uh, he certainly can spin a web. I mean, that that's where, uh, that's the thing that, most appeals to me about potential Diego Mustafa rivalry because they are opposites. I mean, Mustafa brings the thunder. Uh, you know the the power that he hits that ball, that forehand. It's like an exocet, and the 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 dynamicism and the explosivity of his movement to the front of the court is is tremendous. I mean, it, it's it's visually it's a visual feast. Um, whereas Diego more languid, you know, much more graceful, and and you know it, it's. To me, it's it's almost well. Let, let's use boxing parlance, isn't it? And um, it's 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 opposites attract. Uh, if you've you've got the, I don't know whether you would say a Sal's maybe the slugger. He's coming forward to look to land the KO blow, and uh, Diego's you know dancing round there, boxing clever, keeping on the end end, end of his jab. Um, you know, it's it, so their their styles are opposite, and and that's what you look you look for as a as a matchup. They're a good fit. Um, and I think they're a good fit for the game going forward. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, in, in terms of interviews, I've only interviewed Diego once, um, and I'm very keen, very keen to speak to him again at some point. Uh, yeah, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, wh- what his thoughts are and how you know, with a conversation with him to to get how he's maybe changed his views on the game over the last two years to get to where he's at. And and where he's at is he is possibly you would have to say you know the real challenger for the next long running number one slot eh, along with Asal eh, based on their age based on their ages in comparison to the other guys. Yeah, I think um, uh, the the young fellow that I just had on the podcast uh, he was he uh, sort of mentioned that uh, Diego's been known to be a bit of a bit of a partier. So, which yeah. was always a you know an issue, and that, and that does you know the apple doesn't fall far from from the tree there because JP was notorious for for that when he was young, uh, and he came around, and he really did come around. He got fit, he took it seriously, and this is, seems to be uh, sort of what hap- what's happening with Diego. But just before we move on, just quickly, um, I mean I I've spoken to Rob Owen and Rod Martin, uh, and they both. Went in on uh, on the on uh, Mustafa very hard. I mean, Rob basically uh, he just said he's got some serious issues with his game, uh, he's with his movement, and, and Rod Martin basically just called him a cheat. Um, and then uh, Mustafa came back, uh, as you said, he just said, "Well, if they feel that way about me, why don't they come up and uh, speak to me at at a tournament and sit down with me and tell me what I'm doing wrong? I'll listen to them." Don't talk to me. Talk about me behind my back. That, that kind of thing that came out. But just wondering what what your thoughts are on on what those guys, uh, 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 Rod and Rob, have had to say in terms of um, Mustafa's sort of so called issues. Well, first thing I would have to say is Rod Martin is Marwan El Sharbagi's coach, and Rob Owen is Paul Cole's coach. Who are Mustafa's biggest rivals? Who's the guy he knocked off number one? Essentially, Paul Cole, because Ali Farag's out of the question. Um, who's desperately trying uh, to get to number one? Well, obviously, Marwan hungry for that big title. 
um, his brother Morty, Mohammed. So, you know, everybody's got an agenda. Everybody. I don't care who you are. You've got an agenda. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, now, that aside, these guys are, you know, I, I, probably the two best coaches in the game. So, you know, leaving the agenda outside the ring then or the court, then, uh, yeah, you know, they've made valid points. And I, I know this, um, I've been lucky enough to, to to speak regularly with Jonah Barrington. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I know he is of the same opinion to a certain extent. And the other side of the coin is, so we know about the, the trailing arm or the trailing leg and the flaring arm and the fact that he's a big, big guy, bigger than the rest, more powerful than the rest. And he uses that. But you know what? You tell me uh, what big guy on a squash court doesn't use his size, mm. and if he do- and if he doesn't, why the hell doesn't he? You know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it don't add up. You know, um, so uh, you know uh, that, that's all fair enough. Uh, um, I I think that uh, you know what Mustafa's got to watch is that uh, he gives either the opposition or the officials enough to hang him. Uh, in terms of what he's doing um, and how they use it, that 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 to me is the key question here. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue with people of emeritus standing like Robin Rod, who I, 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 you know I've spoken to regularly and have the utmost respect for, and they know they've forgotten far more about squash than I'll ever know. Um, uh, yeah, so and 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 you know I haven't spoken to enough guys like uh, Jonah Barrington. Jeff Hunt, um, Jan Sharkan recently. Um, you know, they're, they're always the two sides of the story. But for me, what, what Mustafa has got to watch is that, you know, he, he doesn't go too far and, and, you know, give them the rope to hang him. Um, and that, that that is the nub of it. Because yeah. there are issues on either side. You know, there's no doubt about it. But yeah. you know what? It's interesting. We're talking about it. It's team content, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Mustafa, uh, I'm, I'm a supporter of his, but I do see the, the, the dark side a little bit. I mean, there were, there were a couple of, I mean, where, when he hit, uh, Sarum was seemed to be accidental, but the, 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 mo- the more recent event, was it a Patrick Rooney? I have no idea why that happened. I don't know how he hit, could have chosen to hit the ball there. And then there was the incident where the ball kind of hit the floor first and then the front yeah, wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any, I think any one of us would have called that down. Uh, yeah. Even I would. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's st- stuff like that. that sort of, I wish he would take care of, you know, yeah. avoid, yeah. avoid that stuff and everything, you know, yeah. yeah. it's going to be an issue sometimes, but you're big uh, and yeah. other players, I think other guys too, they just have to be, you know, be physical with him. You know, don't don't fall down. Run yep. into him. Uh, yep. Give him a taste of his own medicine and, and see how it goes. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to say that in Houston, Marwan El Sharbagi certainly gave him the physical physicality back. Mm. Yeah. And at 10-4 up in the third, you would argue that he had got inside his head and, you know, he had confronted him. Um, and, and you know, that, that, that match was turning before uh, all hell broke loose, um, and nine one one was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I saw it. there was that that little hip check he threw there, uh, which threw uh, Mustafa. But 
thing about Mustafa is he didn't he got on with it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. After yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, at any rate, yeah. Um, now, Robert, you you had a, a really interesting piece with uh, Ben Ford. I was I was about to uh, to have him on the podcast just uh, uh, prior to the passing of his wife, and so I'm uh, you know I'm glad to see that he's back out there now and, and uh, getting back to work with Gina. Obviously, it's paid dividends uh, with her recent uh, uh, performances. But, uh, you know, just uh, you, you have a piece up there now on uh, Ben and, and Jean, and she's been performing well. So what uh, can you tell us uh, just sort of in, in a nutshell how that, uh, you know, the, about that story and uh, how things are going with Ben and Gina going forward? Well, I, I think um, they, they, they've clearly got a relationship which is, is based on deep trust. Um, it's one that's uh, stood the test of time, um, and and obviously you know, given the challenges Gina's had with her health, um, you know Ben's been there right right the way through, um, and uh, you know when you have that kind of uh, strength in your relationship, that deep bond, um, you know as as coach and player, then that that's going to take you a long long way. Um, and and as as you yourself mentioned, Jerry, uh, Gina certainly has a voracious appetite for you know a tremendous work ethic, a fantastic fitness base, um, and dedication. And uh, you know, uh, and Ben clearly understands her um, and and knows her so well. So um, you know that they've they've got a very solid, settled base from which to launch the next phase of her career. Um, and you know, uh, I, I can only wish, uh, wish her that her, her health continues and 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 that that progresses, um, and mm. and will provide another interesting dimension to an already fascinating women's game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Again, uh, just I guess she's one of these players, though. I mean, and and she's probably aware of this because she's an extremely bright young lady. Um, someone like a Peter Marshall or someone like a Joel Macon, for example who really, there's a super, super, super fit to the extreme, and that causes issues, right? And I, I'm not sure if that if that was the issue with, with uh, Gina's illness, but it seemed to, to be something in relation to that. So that's probably something uh, that maybe they're, they're looking at. Yeah, well, I mean, having spoken to her fairly recently, uh, the end of last year, what I kind of read between the lines was perhaps that she she knew she hadn't listened to her body, uh, and 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 I I don't think that that'll happen again. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully all will be well well, and the experiences that she's had, the adverse experiences, will inform how she goes about it, and she can learn these lessons and and, and kick on. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, uh, Robert, you, this has been a fantastic uh, discussion. We've been uh, we went in deep on us all, but I, I want to. Uh, I also want to ask you uh, about. Uh, uh, you mentioned earlier you you did have a piece on uh, Jancher, and you you spoke to him, and uh, there were some health issues that were revealed recently. Uh, I think Alzheimer's uh, is dealing with issues. Parkinson's. Parkinson, sorry, yeah. And um, but, anyways, you you did have a, a word with them, and. Uh, First of all, I mean, he's one of, I, I would argue that he's probably the greatest of all time. Uh, you know, people might say Jahangir, uh, some people say Rami, but uh, I mean, you watch him play at his best, uh, 
just the way he moved around the court. His and uh, his soft, he had very soft hands. I mean, especially yep. towards the end of his career. I mean, he that backhand volley drop off the service return. He just throw that in there all the time and just build the rally from from that. That's stuff that guys, you know, they they don't even do that now in the, in its offensive uh, minded game today. But uh, just in terms of what you uh, you know you had a word with him, what what was your take on how uh, things are going uh, for him and how does he view uh, what he sees on just in general terms in uh, the squash that he sees today? Well. Uh, <laughs> The thing about uh, Janshir is for all his issues, and you've got to bear in mind that a couple of years ago he had a couple of uh, fairly uh, substantial bouts of, of back surgery as well, um, uh, you know, is that uh, he's absolutely determined to find the next great Pakistani champion. I mean, he's immersed, immersed in the whole system there. I mean, uh, from speaking to him recently, you know, he's still taking hour-long walks. He's coaching, uh, you know, and very hungry to to produce another, a near, a near to his throne and, and of course, the great Jahangir's. Mm. Um, so, health-wise, it appears very, uh, you know, appears positive for him um, he's, he's certainly not having issues doing what he wants to do and I guess that's that that's the key isn't it um, and uh, yeah I'm, I'm also very grateful to his son Ayaz who's also extremely helpful to me in arranging all interviews um, yeah so uh, in terms of how he sees uh, where we're at just now um, I think there's a wry amusement with Jansha in terms of the current furore um, and and how uh, things are un, un, uh, un, are evolving. Sorry, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously his rivalry. We spoke earlier of tennis, Connors, McEnroe, Borg. Well, his rivalry with Jahangir. Well, I, I mean, you know, you had obviously the decade before Barrington Hunt, and then Hunt Jahangir, and and then Jansher Jahangir, and I. I to me, the greatest rivalry that our sport has ever known. Um, and again, let's talk styles. You know, uh, Janshar, all the grace of a panther. Um, there's a there's a great North American rock band called Rush, and uh, they they had Canadian. an album. Oh, Canadian, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> had a, had a, Canada's not in North America then. Um, they, that's that's a bit like that's a bit like you saying that I live in England. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah to all the Canadians uh, uh, an apology from a parochial Scotsman um, yeah uh, they had an album out called Caress of Steel mm. and that's how I feel Jansher played the game you know he, he, the, the touch that he had yet the steel was there um, and uh, his movement, the most graceful mover on a squash court I've ever seen, and certainly I've been I've been watching squash for over forty years now. Um, and whereas Jahanga, he, walk, he walked around the court, it was well, amazing. He, he went for a stroll, didn't he? He really yeah. did. Whereas <laughs> whereas Jahanga, a bit like a sow in some respects, brought the thunder. It was all about the power, the intensity, the ferocity, and their two styles made a compelling matchup. You know, and and they they played they played each other forty odd times. You know, so the, the the consistency of their rivalry, you know, and and the duration of it, 
that to me is the ultimate measure of our aspiring champions. That's to me, can Mustafa Sal, can Diego Elias, can the next guy with the question mark on, on his back coming through that we don't know about yet, can they endure like Jansha and Jahangir? Mm. And of course, to Jeff Hunt, the first ever uh, professional world champion back in 75, and, and Jonah Barrington before him. Um, so that, that's what I'm looking for. That when I'm looking at this potential rivalry right and how it will aspire, the benchmark is Jahangir and Jansha uh, mm. and, and what they had and how long they had it for. Um, and, and again, Janshar was the guy who was out with outside the ten. He was an establishment, a bit like Mustafa is. Mustafa, you know, he's not sponsored by CIB like most of the other top Egyptian guys. We know what happened with his father recently. Um, after he he asked the CEO of CIB out for a a a, a tea in a casbah or whatever it is they do there. <laughs> um, yeah, so. You know, all all of that's quite interesting, you know, and and and, and whether parallels will will evolve. But uh, you know, you're absolutely right when you say that. Uh, you know, Jancher has a very very strong claim to be the greatest squash player of them all, mm. as does Jahanga. Yeah, and probably so does so does Jeff Hunt. And and again, that's us coming back to talking points. You know. And, and and that's what you want from your sport, talking points and engagement. And, and really, you know, without it, we will all be the poorer for it. Absolutely. I just wanted to ask you, too. I mean, Jancher, you mentioned it just briefly, uh, his sense of humor. Uh, and I always found him on court to have a very dry. Very, I found the sense of humor. He was actually quite witty with the officials. Uh, I used to love just listening to him. Uh, uh, you know, someone else would ask for a let, and then he'd say no let. You know, even though it was obvious it was a let. Uh, yeah. and, and some of the stories you hear about him, I, I don't know if you've heard the, uh, the Simon Park Stephen Mead story. No, nope, no. Nope. But uh, they were in a bar or something, and uh, they were all sort of at, at, at the club after uh, playing in a tournament. And uh, the janitor was there. A bunch of people were there. Meads was was there and uh i think simon park was going through they were going through the rankings and the uh, del harris or you know simon park there and the janchir khan is going down the rankings yes yes and then he said uh, who is meets and meets is like st- sitting right next to him right huh? <laughs> uh, yep. but i think uh, according to what si- uh, park was saying he knew who he was yeah 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 well, he plays a similar game with me where he calls me Mitchell all the time. And he, he, he definitely knows that ain't my first name, but he calls me Mitchell. And I always think there's a little bit of mischief in that voice when when he when he's saying it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, when you get the, uh, the multi-emojis back from him, uh, you know, when you're looking to confirm something with him, then, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's a very strong playful side to, to Jansher that, that I'm happy to see still endures. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, uh, well, Robert, uh, really enjoyed this chat. Are we, is there anything uh, anything I'd left out or anything you want to, uh, to promote here coming up? Uh, got any big, uh, any, what's what's the next big story in the hopper? Well, the, the part two of the interview with Mustafa for Squash Mad 
where he'll talk about bringing the noise. You 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 spoke about Al Ali, the, the football team, and and his affinity with them, and and how he wants to really what he wants to do is transcend squash transcend squash and 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 get the sport through him into the wider sporting consciousness um and and, and that, that that's kind of like a mission with him um mm-hmm. wh- whether that can ever happen I, I don't know um uh, whether he'll need to change how he goes about that I don't know you know at the end of the day I, I'm sitting ringside and I'm watching how it's going and it's early in the fight um so we'll yeah. see We'll see, but uh, yes, yeah, that, that's me over and out. That's uh, that. That was really good stuff, uh, Robert. And I hope we can do it again soon. Really enjoyed it. You know your stuff, and I um, uh, appreciate your time today. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the experience as well, Jerry. And uh, I look forward to it. And just hope to God people will still speak to me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know with these things, do you? But uh, you don't. You, know. you don't. But uh, I think anyway. what you're doing is great, and uh, everyone appreciates uh, it. At the end of the day, I think if you've got a level head, you're going to appreciate what you're doing. You're putting good content out there. So, thank you. Well, many thanks to Robert Mitchell for that tremendous chat, and he definitely uh, knows the squash. Really happy uh, to have had him on and hope uh, to have him on again soon. Uh, check out Squash Mad if you haven't done so already. Uh, they've got a great team of writers, obviously. Robert's there, Mike Dale, Rod Gilmore, and I believe Alan Thatcher's still pitching in in retirement every now and then. Um, now, just in terms of uh, this podcast uh, going forward, uh, I believe leave in two days time on Friday we're going to have French national champion recently crowned Victor Quint coming on just before he heads over to Calgary for the Canadian Open uh, we'll have plenty to talk about there and hopefully uh, he shows up like he always does in a big way. Uh, speaking of the Canadian Open, Dean Brown, CEO of the Bow Valley Athletic Club, which is hosting the Canadian Open, he'll be coming on. Now, you might remember Dean from Super Squash Saturdays. He was the color commentary, the uh, color commentator uh, during the Diego Elias. Jonathan Power, uh, fun-filled showdown. Uh, two match, uh, it lasted two matches, but uh, fantastic stuff there. Dean uh, uh, made himself known to the squash world, but uh, he's a legend in, in Canada, and this will be his third appearance on the pod. I'm really looking forward to having him back on. And then also, our Growing the Game panel is uh is ready to roll we've got the the panel assembled i'll be telling you more about that at the end of the next podcast and that should uh be happening uh next week with any luck as as long as i get my act together but uh anyways everybody i just want to thank you for uh for listening all the best with your squash over the next coming days and uh, be well take care and talk to you soon goodbye now